Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. I just groove around. I groove around. <laughs> well, I am 67. It was only a matter of time, really, before I met, met somebody famous. Is that what happens then? At some point in time before you, you reach 70, you meet Seal? <laughs> Well, you know, I've been working my way towards him via uh, various characters, um, not least Clever Trevor. Clever um, Trevor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Trevor knows everybody. I mean, ev- yeah. and I do mean everybody. You can't sort of, when you're with him, you can't flippantly mention anything. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know them. <laughs> and you go, oh, yeah, of course you do. Yeah, I forgot where I was. Royalty, anybody, the Queen. He knew the bloody Queen. Uh, yeah, amazing. Shall we start? Shall we just start and then, and then s- see if it'll pull in when we when we start? I've started recording. Right, okay, okay. Well, don't say anything um, more, special guest, because nobody knows who you are yet. Let's start and then let's see how we how we how we crack on. Uh, and and I know you've heard enough of these, so you'll you'll know the vibe. Um, do you know what? This is the first time I've done this for three weeks because I didn't introduce the last two episodes. Oh. The Desert Island Disc ones didn't actually have a didn't oh, have an introduction. Yeah. We just sort of drifted in. We didn't drifted we? in on the on the on the breeze and the seagulls and the and the tide. <laughs> anyway, enough of that nonsense. Yeah, it right. must be a bit rusty. Uh well have a, have a what are we on? One seven eight. What do you think? One seven eight? Yes. Yeah, go on then. Hello and welcome to chapter 178 of the Corona Diaries. Yay! And we have a guest, but we'll come to our guest in a minute. Um, He's just going to have to sit there and and grin for a little while. Um, Actually, I can now see you in one of those big, tall guardsmen's hats. But we'll come to that as well in a little little moment. Um, I got shouted at because apparently, to finish off the Desert Island Discs thing, you you have a choice of a book. Oh, yeah, and you forgot. And I forgot. And I can't remember who it was that pointed it out. And apologies, I can't mm. remember who pointed it out. But I, I, I kind of cocked up on that. So, um, and obviously you've noticed it. So, have you, have you got a book? War and Peace. Oh, bloody hell. That's a tome. <laughs> Is that so you can stand on it and reach something that's a bit a bit too far away? <laughs> Forgetting the coconut down. Um, no, well, I figured if I'm on the island for bloody ages, you know, it's not much good taking a short story, is there? It'll be all, be all done in, you know, first first week. You see, I so, remember you saying in an interview that your favourite book, your real favourite book, was The Naive and Sentimental Lover by John le Carre. Oh, hang on a bit. I've got I've got the tide coming in. Hang on, I just need to mute something. <laughs> oh God. Yes, I would read the naive and sentimental lover. Uh 
But I wouldn't, because I wouldn't have it with me, because I'd have War and Peace. Right, okay. Just checking then. So we're going with War and Peace, are we? Defo, yeah. I think there's there's a lot about the human condition in War and Peace. Having, having read it once, years and years and years ago, uh, I was the only person on the on the beach in Ibiza reading War and Peace, um, much to my wife's derision at the time. Um, Sorry, you were but, the only person on the beach in Ibiza reading War and Peace? I was. <laughs> oh, good grief. Who knew? I was oddly enough. And there's all of humanity in there. There is. There really is. Tolstoy's fabulous. Um, you know, and you'd want something thick. You know, I thought of a few shorter ones, but the more I think about it, you know, I think, and then by the time you got to the end of it, you'd have forgotten the beginning. You so could you start, start again. again quite yeah, for, comfortably. Yeah, fourth road bridge kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right, so whilst we've been doing Desert Island Discs, we've not really been focusing or talking about the diary entries, have we? No, we haven't. And they've been cruised to the edge. They have. And you they mentioned on there that you met somebody on, at cruise, on, the, 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 on that voyage, that very first cruise to the edge, and you got chatting to this person, and you one of the things you chatted about was Gaza. That's right, mm. isn't it? Okay. That's right. And that person's name was? Oren Hertz. So today our special guest is? Oren Hertz. Oren, how are you? Yay! Very well. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. Thank you. Thank you. And you're a podcaster in your own right, aren't you, Oren? Oh, I was going to plug it in later, but since you Oh, you can the door... plug it now. I'm plug it later. You're fine. I'm not convinced <laughs> you're going to pick up any listeners, but you can give it a crack. You have a good followership. I think this is great, actually, and a great opportunity to, uh, again, thank you for being here, for inviting me. And um, yes, my podcast is about leadership, and it's called the 10-Minute Leadership Podcast, and it's 10 minutes once a week, a different discussion about uh, leadership. And it's been going on for nearly three years now. And one of in one of the episodes, I have a special guest you may know. His name is Steve Hogarth, and he actually oh. talked about uh, his perspective about leadership. So I invite everyone to look it up wherever you listen to podcasts. Just plug in my name, Oren Hertz, or the 10-Minute Leadership Podcast. It's you hysterical. See, you see, that's what we don't do, isn't it? We haven't got an <laughs> elevator pitch, have we? <laughs> I also had a... Lucy as a guest uh, one ah. episode. So, yeah, this is very relevant for Marillion fans who are listening to this podcast. So I hope you'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, really, really smooth. Right. In He's which smooth, case, right, you're far too good. Clear off. He's like a pro, isn't he? <laughs> he is like a pro. <laughs> he is like a pro. But, but back to where this all started. So you two met on that boat. So come on then, Orin. What, what, what are your recollections of that? Were you a Meridian fan before you started or were you there for somebody else? No. Who, who's somebody else? I don't know other bands other than Meridian. My friends, let, let me give you this. My friends, when, when there's a song on the radio, right? And like, hey, Orin, do you know this song? My automatic reply is... Is it Marillion? And they say no. I'm like, then no, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I jumped on Cruise to the Edge uh, to see Marillion. Um, there were other bands there, but to see Marillion. And um, I'm remembering, I, so I went and, and I worked out at the gym. And then I kind of took a little stroll. And um, there's some people congregated. And I see uh, a familiar face. 
which is uh, Steve. I did not know him at the time. I just knew him from the DVDs and uh, dare I say VCRs because I've been a, a big Marillion fan since age 13, which was many years ago. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I wish I could talk with him. And I got I to gotta give out a shout out to two people, to Anik and Denise Buffard, who they both kind of pushed me towards Mr. H and said, you got to talk to him about Gaza, which I'm sure we'll get into here in a minute. And I said, no, no, I'm just, you know, I'm not that person. I don't want to disturb. I don't want to interrupt him. Like He's busy. And uh, I forget, it, it, it was either Anik or Denise. They physically, physically pushed me toward him <laughs> and said, you know, introduce yourself. And um, and I did. And, and I guess perhaps um, the introduction was very um, memorable. And emotional too, um, because I actually have a photo I can share uh, with you later. Uh, it was Linda, who is a photographer, ca captured the moment where I, I simply said to Steve, "Hi, Steve. I was really nervous, you know, meeting him the first time, and I've been a huge Marillion fan for many years." I said, "Hi, my name is Oren. You know, I was born and raised in Israel, although I live in America. I served in the military, I served in Gaza, I was injured in Gaza, and how much I appreciate your perspective of the song. And uh, this met, this was met with a huge hug from Steve and teary eyes, and it just, it just um, touched a nerve, I guess. Um, and he couldn't really talk much because he, I, I, I really struck him, which was shocking to me. I'm like, oh crap. The first time I meet him, and I got him upset. Um, and then the, the, later on that day, uh, Lucy's walking around the ship. Who is Oren Hertz? You know, Lucy. Who is Oren Hertz? I'm like, oh, me? I'm like, shit, what did I do? And she said, are you available to have breakfast with breakfast with Steve tomorrow morning? I'm like, oh, let me check my calendar. <laughs> of course, I'm available to have breakfast with Steve. And this was um, nearly a four-hour breakfast where we just hit it off. And and it was very evident that we're going to become friends and probably good friends right off the bat. Steve, at least that's how I remember it. You, you may that's, exactly how, that's exactly how I remembered it. I remembered it being really emotional. And yeah. I get emotional just hearing about it. Yeah. Um, because I'd never met anyone, you know, off the ground in uh, in in Gaza, who'd been in Gaza, I never met anybody. Really, I didn't really know any Israelis, and yet I'd written this bloody song. Um, and the whole time I was writing it, the whole time I was recording it, I was worrying um, about the tone of it and whether I could get the tone right and, and whether whether I could stand by what I was saying. Um, and it weighed really, really heavy on me the whole time I was working on it. So two things happened towards the end of it, which was that um, I have a friend, um, a Spanish friend, my, my head's gone all fuzzy now, but uh, Diana, Diana Alvarez, who, who who now goes under another name because she she got she got to Buddhism. Um, I think it was Buddhism. She got some kind of Eastern religion anyway, and she plugged me into 
a friend of hers who was working in Gaza in an NGO, another Spanish girl. And she then plugged me in uh, via Skype to a lot of the locals there, um, Palestinians and Israelis, who I used to Skype at night when I used to get in from the studio to ask them about their lives and about what the place was like and what it smelt like and what it sounded like and what was good about their life and what was bad about their life and trying to really get a flavor of how the place actually was rather than, you know, some kind of second-hand impression off TV. Um, because I wanted this song to be right. And yet still worried. Um and so when um, Diana's friend, whose name now escapes me, I was going to look this up before the podcast, but never mind. Um, when, when, she can, when she heard the, I think I sent her the lyric before I even recorded the song and she, she, she emailed me back and said it's, it's, Give me a second. She emailed me back and said it's absolutely perfect. And that was huge. And then, and then I met Oren on the ship, and he more or less said the same thing. And. So I was extremely relieved that I'd written something that stood up, not something naive and prejudiced and stupid. Um, that was a huge relief. The song really spoke to me because um, it, it's the way the way I interpret the song is it's it's just not right for a kid to grow up in that environment. And the way I was injured in Gaza was by a kid, literally an 11-year-old, give or take, kid, who um, you may remember the story. And I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but uh, I was I was the last in the platoon uh, touring Gaza. And we toured the streets at night. Um, and because I'm a medic, medic goes last. Me medic goes in the back of the platoon. It was late at night. Uh, it was dark, and um, I felt a, a really sharp pain in my knee, and it literally dropped me to my knee. So a kid who saw Israeli soldiers uh, was uh, taught to hate, which is just terrible, isn't it? Mm. And uh, <clears throat> hit me with a with a a big uh, steel thing bar, uh, hit me right and on my knee, and literally brought me down to to my knees. Um, <clears throat> I have a loaded M16 on me, ready to go, and um, uh, and I'm 19 years old, faced with an M16. The kid is literally right in front of me. The gun is right here in front of him. If I pull the trigger, it would literally blow his face up. Uh, my commander is shouting from the front, shoot to kill, it's an ambush. And thankfully, I um, had just better sense to know not to shoot but instead scream at the kid Barra 
in Arabic is run, bara. And we locked eyes and he ran. And um, I was, uh, I almost went to military jail for this. Uh, if it's not for my well-connected mother, who uh, basically screamed at the commander and said, you know, orders are orders. This was just a kid. What did you expect the soldier to do? To, to kill a kid for, for what? what? What sense does it make? Why are you sending him to jail? And so <clears throat> I ended up uh, being relocated as a punishment, if you will, uh, for not looking after my platoon, um, which I'll, I'll do the same thing over and over again if, if I had to. Um, <clears throat> and there's a lot that goes into it because, um, and I'm sorry, this is heavy, but it is a heavy story. Um, I'm 50 years old now. I was 19 at the time. And I still see this kid in dreams and um, night terrors. Uh, and the night terror is when there's two scenarios, one that I pull the trigger and that that just, it's literal PTSD. Uh, so so there, there's a lot that goes into it people don't understand and and uh, normally the ones who critique are the ones that did not experience something like that and you simply can't imagine um you know moving on with your life in, in after experiencing something like that and uh, it it changed my entire perspective it changed my beings as, as a human being and the way i think and the way i uh, uh, interact with this world and how much uh, love I try to spread and and accept because I just believe in it way more than war. I just it just changed changed me completely, and I'm very very so grateful for having the wherewithal to not pull that trigger because I don't think I'd survive uh, mentally. It it would just send me into a com- I, my my soul is too sensitive for that. I, I I you know thank whatever force that that was in my head said be smart don't pull that trigger. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even contemplate um, how we could arrive at this point where not pulling the trigger in somehow is seen to be the wrong thing to do. I, I, I don't even understand how how in twenty whenever you know whatever that that'll have been nineteen whatever. Yeah, how it wasn't we even arrive at we mm-hmm. even arrive at that that point, and particularly for somebody who's a medic. Mm-hmm. You know, your entire reason of of being is 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 to hold on to life, not to not to take it away. Yeah. What was the what was the where where were you sent as a punishment, and how long before you were able to get out? Uh, so I was relocated, which in a sense was um, so I was demoted, if you will, right. right? And and I'm like I couldn't care less, like whatever. I mean, I I was gonna go to jail. I was they were gonna sentence me to, uh, to 30 days uh, military jail, mm. and again because of my uh, well connected mother, um, whom I think you guys know what she did. Because <laughs> we kind of we joke about it every now and then. Well, you guys joke about it. But, uh, she's in the tree. She's in the yeah, tree, she's mate. In the tree. She's still looking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so I was relocated to a different base. Ended up being way closer to home, and I was demoted um, to do like a, a more clerical job yeah. uh, for my final year and a half of service. I'm like, so be it. I don't care. That's no problem. If this is what's going to make you happy, I will live with that. So that was the punishment, you know. It was kind of because I was a combat soldier, and uh, you know, it's like think think of a um, a detective or a police officer that is being clerked. That's mm-hmm. basically that was the punishment. 
Um, right. Like, all right, fine, whatever. H, we've Bo- we've talked a lot in uh, over the course of however many weeks this is, the last three and odd years, about strange things that happened to you. But this is a strange thing that was meant to be you two meeting, surely. Yeah, I th- I mean, it, it, that was part of why it was all so emotional. It was like, um, you know, it's like somebody sent this man to tell me it was all right. Um, and so, well, it was really much like I, I, I thought, well, let's have breakfast and let's let's get to know each other. Let's not try and have a you know, a, a conversation of this kind of gravity in front of all of these people standing around wanting their picture taken and wanting their auto- my autograph. Let's go somewhere private and, you know, have breakfast and feet up and relax and let's get to know each other. Um, so we did that. And it was exactly the right thing to do because um, it, put us, it puts us in another place. And it gave me the chance to check as well that that you know that that Oren wasn't just being um, gracious when he said I got it right. You know, I I wanted to know that he meant it, and I wanted to try and explain as well that that as he, as he said, it is just a song about a child growing up in a war zone. Seemingly endless um, situation that won't resolve itself, um, and every time it seems to me every every time the the parties on the ground get anywhere near resolving the conflict, somebody comes along and you know some assassin comes along and rubs out whoever's trying to make peace for whatever reason. Um, and and it meanwhile, there are as there was in Northern Ireland, there there are just ordinary people trying to live, trying to live their lives and get by, bring their kids up, look after each other, and there's this constant threat under the surface of of violence that that they have to live with. Um, and that's all the song was really about. The song simply said, you know, anyway, you look at this, it's just ain't right. Uh, and I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of shit for that song. And I was expecting it. I got a lot of, you know, I got accused of, um, knowing nothing about the situation, which was all right. I could cope with that because. I mean, but at the same time, the people who accused me of knowing nothing about the situation were were not Israelis. They weren't people on the ground. They 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 were people in America or France, a long way from there, um, of the Jewish faith, who were just affronted that 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 I could criticize the state of Israel, you know. And so it's so easy to then say, "Oh, that's just anti-Semitism." Um, so I was slapped down for that, but I wasn't. Interestingly, I was never slapped down by anyone on the ground, by anyone in Israel. No, I never got um, a message from 
from that part of the world that criticised the song, which is kind of interesting. Um, it was only the kind of naive knee-jerk thing that that um, that's where where the abuse came from. I mean, the abuse wasn't it wasn't huge. It was it was I don't know. I could count on both hands the number of really really abusive emails I got. So that that ain't bad considering. Um, but it was such a relief to me, Oren, and uh, and get it from the horse's mouth. You know, I was. I was desperate for that. Thank you, thank you. It's, it was meant to be, uh, I think. And and also, you know, if anyone who's still opposed to the song, I just invite them to really listen to it carefully and maybe and download the lyrics online or if you have a CD, open the booklet and carefully read because nowhere on this song Steve is blaming Israel or blaming the Palestinians. You're just basically saying this is not right. Um, and there are grieving mothers on both sides of the wire, and it's it's so true. There's nothing against anyone except the the entire situation, which is fucked up. I don't know if I can say that word. No, but you can say it. that on here. Okay. Um, and and so and this is what this song is all about. And and it's just it's not right. Whether I don't have kids, but if I had kids, I I don't want them to grow up in a war zone. And and many people have kids. Raise your hand if you'd like your kid to suffer. It just it doesn't make it's it's against any type of common sense. And so why get offended? There's no need to get offended. This this is a song about peace and about progress and about that's how I see it at least. Um and, and about unfairness. And it's and when Steve sings it every time I've seen it live, multiple times now, in multiple occasions, multiple concerts. Steve, you sing it with conviction. This is not just this. This is not a song to make Marillion popular. Arguably, no. the opposite. Right? No, it's certainly not a song to make Marillion popular. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a song to rail, rail against injustice and uh, and and war um, wherever wherever it might be in the world, really. Yeah. So the first time we met Orin, to totally change the um, mood a, a little, really, was we, we mm. met on a Zoom screen. And, we and did. We, we met on a Zoom screen because during the pandemic, um, the, the the Hogarth family did a did a family quiz uh, on a Sunday <laughs> evening, um, uh, and you know, with an aim to start normally about seven thirty and an actual start time normally of about nine, um, and. And when the when the faces popped up on screen, and I'd, obviously I'd heard of uh, of Arjil and Arsu because they'd come up in conversation, but then but then of the people that appeared on screen that weren't the direct sort of family in terms of the you know the um, sisters and, and and nephews and nieces and what have you, was was Rick, Rick Armstrong. Rick appeared on screen, right, uh, yeah. and and then yourself. Yeah. And I just assumed you were a family member. So was the interplay that you had with the group that I just assumed, you know, without obviously thinking about the vagaries of the accent, because Doncaster is what Doncaster is, so you don't worry about those things. <laughs> I just assumed you were you were part of the family. Um, and I don't know whether that's... I d- I well, don't it, know. Kind, it, it kind of is, yeah. uh, because he, uh, he became 
can I talk about you while you're here? He became very, very good friends with with my sisters, and particularly with my sister's boy, Danny. With with with, our, with my my what is he? Is he my nephew? I'm not very good with all. He'll that. be your nephew. He is, yeah. Dan's yeah, your nephew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he's my nephew. He's my sister's boy, and uh, they hit it, they hit it off big time, and then and used to go out and get sloshed together. Um, Danny went over to to America, didn't he? Did he? He came over he, to Florida, didn't he? Yeah, he came over to Florida. We hung out for a couple of weeks here. Went to to Disneyland together. It was absolutely <laughs> fantastic, and um, it just it turned into this like amazing friendship. I, do you remember Steve? Uh, Steve, um, Dan was in Mexico. And invited me over for my birthday and just threw me a big birthday in Mexico. Like we, and then I, I flew over to Doncaster to hang out with them. You know, without Steve was on the road. It's just absolutely amazing the 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 expansion of fr- um uh, of friendship and and uh, and family and just absolutely amazing because they're all lovely people. If um, think Steve times well, you know them, Anthony. They're just absolutely no, they're lovely people. people. All of them are fantastic. And Lynetta and every you know and vibes and just became really close with everyone, which is just absolutely amazing because just I vibe and with them and they vibe with me. And and thank you for saying that, Anthony, because I do feel a part of the family. They're, they're my extended family in the UK, honestly. And for the record, I sense that Dan really knows how to party. So sorry, Dan, if I'm dropping you in it because I haven't spoken to you for ages. No, Um, I'm going to throw him under the bus just last weekend. It was probably 3 a.m. Scotland time. He was up there gigging with with his band and and video calling me. I'm like, you need to go to bed. It's too late. (laughs) He's a fiend. He is a fiend. He is a fiend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, He's a special one. Well, look, let's let's go for a bit of this week's diary, um, uh, and then come back, which is in my, in Mexico, actually. Funnily enough, having having just mentioned oh. it, we oh, isn't that strange? Yes, I mean, I'm in uh, I'm in Mexico City once again. What am I doing? Um, While you're having a look, I am going to say we are getting very close to the end, aren't we? We are getting very close to the end. Some somebody wrote in and said perhaps I could just read one line at a time, uh, <laughs> one line per episode, and then if I get near the end, one one letter uh, <laughs> per episode. Um, How many edits do you think you need to do on that one line to get it right? Keep, keep it going. Well, just half a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> That that was a, an in pod joke there. Yeah, cheek, <laughs> cheeky bugger. <laughs> well, let's let's um, go for a bit of diary. Mexico. Yes, yes, I'm in Mexico City, one of my favourite cities on earth. As it goes, I love it. Uh, here it comes. Are we keeping that in? You playing that live? <laughs> I'm not sure I could do that again. <laughs> Wednesday, 30th of April. Home, Mexico City. Up at 7.10 and helped get little vibes ready for school. Took him to Charlton, the same school as his big brother and sister went to, 
Always a bit of a mindfuck to be back here 22 years later, but it's a nice school. Today he waved at me as usual from all three windows of his classroom, our little ritual. Thankfully, no sign of sadness or distress. Drove home and frantically prepared photographs for Robert Hammond, publisher of this diary, until 10.15, leaving 30 minutes to pack. Never really long enough, but I don't like packing. I'd rather concentrate on passport, keys, computer, money, and risk the rest. I can always buy stuff when I get there. Left at 10.50 to a lovely sunny day. Our little front garden is looking lush. We're going to have a lot of peonies and irises this year. A new taxi driver, Thomas, from the south of Poland, took me to Terminal 5. Read The Outsider by Albert Camus and glanced out periodically at spring fields full of sheep and new lambs. Glimpsed a hare. At Heathrow Terminal 5, said hi to Ian in the street and then to the crew queuing up at check-in. Check-in and security were uneventful. Went to Huxley's for Eggs Benedict, just what I fancied, but it wasn't great. Got the little train to the Terminal B and gave Mark K the old photographs I'd found of him in Mexico while going through my old prints, trying to find shots for the diary. Chatted with Phil, Frenchie and Ian. The TV on the wall silently announced the death of actor Bob Hoskins. I once stood next to him in a bookshop in Hampstead. Spoke to Lynetta on the phone and said bye for now and I'll text you when I land. Joined the wrong queue and very nearly boarded the plane to Phoenix, Arizona. That would have been interesting. Boarded the right plane and was waved upstairs on the 747. Flying business again. Very nice. Took off an hour late due to someone not turning up on time. Lunch was nice. Capress to start and steamed cod to follow. Read a bit more Camus. Not much more than 100 pages long. Took me a while to get used to Camus' short and succinct prose. Walked back a few seats to check Mosley's progress. He seems relaxed but is complaining that someone near him keeps farting with appalling olfactory consequences. Return to my seat. I'm sitting next to Rothers who has nodded off and maintains his legendary status by snoring like a mythical beast. I'll put some in-ears in and watch a movie. Watched The Wolf of Wall Street. Very entertaining, although I found the decadence of 80s Wall Street, perfectly portrayed by Scorsese, somewhat depressing. This was the culture that brought down many Western economies, while the perpetrators, of course, grew unimaginably wealthy and therefore untouchable. Who pays for it all? Ordinary taxpayers who struggle every week to get by. Nothing ever changes. Nonetheless, I did nearly wet myself laughing after the Quaaludes overdose drive home scene. After the movie, I reclined the seat and snoozed for a while until the cabin crew came round with sandwiches and scones an hour before landing. I'm a sucker for a clotted cream tea. Managed to get through immigration without any fuss and pick up my bags. In the arrivals hall, a handful of fans waved eagerly and asked for autographs and photographs. If I can be forgiven for quoting myself, it's always bizarre to come so far to an outstretched hand and easy conversation.
made my way out onto the street and waited almost an hour for Frenchie and Phil, who had been detained by customs. Not really what you want at three in the morning in your head. Arrived at the hotel, and by then didn't feel tired, so put the telly on. Thirty-odd channels in Spanish, and only CNN really watchable, and then barely. BBC World gets a bit tedious after a while, but I would have been grateful for it. Stayed up till 11, 5am in England, and then went to bed. Woke up at 3. Here we go again. Thursday, 1st of May, Mexico City. Applied all my energies to staying in bed until around 6, when I gave up and got up. Went down to reception to pay for Wi-Fi codes and discovered breakfast already being served, so made my way to the cafe for muesli and omelette. Jack appeared around 6.45 and so we drank coffee and chatted about brain surgery, Jack's current reading. Went out and found a Starbucks two blocks away. Very good. Decent morning coffees are assured for the rest of my stay. Returned to my room and FaceTimed home to Lynetta. She looks fantastic and sounds well. Penella, her chum from across the green, was in the kitchen. She'd brought her boys round to play, so I said hello to her. She hardly ever stops laughing. Said a brief hi to Vibes, who was understandably a bit distracted. Came down to poolside and spent the morning proofreading The Invisible Diary, as I now call it, Volume 1. Coming together nicely, but very time-consuming. The sun was shining and the morning air not too humid and warm. Perfect for me. At 1.30 the laptop battery was flat, so I returned to my room and FaceTimed home again to say goodnight to Vibes. He seemed a little tired and unbothered. I think he still doesn't quite connect the me on the screen to the actual me. And anyway, what use is a dad who can't play with you? Kids can be very brutal in their honesty. It takes a few years to acquire the mask we all wear in later life. At 2.30, I was picked up by Leonardo and Gabriella Beltran, who run the Projecto Antares charity which Rothers and I played the acoustic show for last year. Leonardo had emailed, so I had suggested lunch in the old Coyoacan district, where we went last time. We returned to the restaurant we'd been before, El Corazon del Maguey, which specialises in regional Mexican cuisine, all peculiar stuff, but nonetheless tasty, and mezcal. This is drank after biting down on slices of orange dipped in worm salt. No kidding, some kind of dried ground worm mixed with salt and a powder which looks like paprika and tastes musky and dark. Strange to start with, but once you get into it, I ordered a mezcal caipirinha, a beer, and after Leonardo ordered straight mezcal, well, it seemed rude not to join him. The food was great and the company was most pleasant. Gabriella's son, Raphael, joined us after a while. Phil Brown had asked me to bring him back a bag of worm salt so he could take it home to show his wife. So Leonardo asked the cafe owner, who duly brought some as a gift. Afterwards, we walked round Coyoacan, which was packed with Mexicans relaxing. It's a public holiday today and the atmosphere was most festive. 
Street sellers abounded, selling brightly coloured arts and crafts. An old man was playing tunes with a leaf. Another was playing an accordion, and there was a band playing on a stage in the square. Everywhere, different musical melodies and styles mingled on the air. Mexico's amazing. Everywhere I glanced looked like a wonderful photograph or a movie. The light here, combined with the variety of the features of the people and the general eccentricity of the culture, make for instant living art. We went to, quote, Mexico's oldest ice cream shop, where Leonardo bought strange ice creams. For him, chamuyada, a dark-coloured spicy ice cream. I had a taste. Hmm. And for me, a lemon sorbet coated in worm salt. He joked about Montezuma's revenge as he passed it to me. He had a point. I shouldn't tempt fate. I don't want to start this tour with screaming diarrhoea, so I donated mine to Raphael, who was happy to have it, and no doubt is already equipped with whichever Mexican antibodies keep Montezuma at bay. We returned to the hotel around six, and I watched a bit more CNN. Lots of coverage of the unrest in Ukraine and the continued search for that missing Malaysian airliner. The toxicology report on Peaches Geldof showed heroin as the likely cause of death. Same as her mum then. I feel so sorry for the family, and for it to be so public must be hell. At eight o'clock I decided I couldn't stay up any longer, and climbed into bed. Woke up slightly less often than last night. And we're back. You were a bit uh, slow hitting start there, weren't you? I was a bit. I, I had a bit of a te- technical overlap. Oh, did you? Uh, I think it must be the preferences, Anthony. Oh, is it the preferences? Is, is it all in your settings? <laughs> I think having a bit of trouble. Yes, it's settings now, isn't it? The 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 the, the, the good people at Apple suddenly decided preferences was old hat, and we had to call it settings now. I noticed that. Mm. I don't know when they slid that in, but us old farts can't let go of preferences, can we? Because we're old, and that's that's what it's like when you're old. I think we all know about your preferences <laughs> this this far in. So, you know. Oren's just bitten through his lip, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's profusely bleeding down his cheek, but we'll go with it. Um, yeah. Did, did you notice that the? Uh, I don't know if you, if I don't even know if you're aware. The video went out today at one seven five. Oh, did it? Yes. Oh, has there been a re- response? <laughs> um, I think people are taking quite a lot of uh, amusement and enjoyment in seeing in seeing your slightly tipsy state. Oh, was I a bit tipsy? It was yeah, the it was, it was the Red I? Bull and uh, and tequila set. Oh, I was on Sarah Miles. Yes, yeah. it was. Yes. I I can uh, interject real quick, and it it was a later cruise where Steve and I had breakfast. The ship was docked uh, at a port, and we had breakfast. And Steve, I don't know if you remember, but he uh, tripped just a little bit on the way out to the dining room, and he looked at me and said, "It's it's the boat. We were docked." <laughs> <laughs> Need we say more? <laughs> So, so come on then, Orin. How far back do we go? Are you a? Are you a? Are you a? Do you cross the line, or are you, 
Are you a Fish and an H fan? Or are you are you just an H fan? Okay, that's a really good question. Actually, I don't know that I ever told Steve that. So um, I have body art of uh, you know the the early stages ah. albums, and and it's on. It's not uh, a salute to Fish. It's more to um, Oh, what's the artist's name that created these? Uh, Mark, Mark Wilkinson. Mark Wilkinson, yes, because yeah. I really liked it. And and here's an, here's another jester here. So so this is not a shout out to Fish necessarily. I obviously knew Marillion from Kaylee and and Fish, but I I, I don't believe in camps. Uh, Fish did his job with Marillion, and uh, Steve is doing a fantastic job with Marillion. So. Um, yeah, I go way, way back. Um, and uh, I think many listeners would appreciate it because it was 1986 and I would go to the record store after Misplaced Childhood to see if a new album was dropped because there was no other way to know. So I had this routine, I don't know, every few months to check in the record store and then come, what was it, 1987, clutching its straws. I'm like, ooh, new album. Um, and I remember actually... Uh, yeah, holidays in Eden. I actually got it in a cassette tape, and I forget why. Maybe they just had the cassette tape, and it popped in in the car. This is the first time I I, I hear Steve. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, it could be a thing. <laughs> He's got a nice voice. <laughs> could be a thing. Yeah. I think we'll be all right. Might and the rest the is history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. Yeah. On the subject and, and, of Holidays in Eden, I've got a tape of Holidays in Eden. I've actually got a uh, an H signed it actually, though he didn't know he signed it. Uh, I got a, an EMI sampler. I've got a, I've got one of those things they used to the reps used to drop off into the record stores to get played in in, in the background. And I've got a Holidays a Holidays sampler kicking around, uh, which is a bit of a prize position. Nothing to play it on. No, you know, but you can it, sell it on eBay for a lot of money. I bet you. Well, well, well. That that was part of what I've just done. I'm hoping that that's the first part of bit of getting that auction up a bit. Oh, uh, there we go. But we'll see, 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 see how we get on. See how we get on. So you're still. I guess you're just hoping that you know. I mean, is, is Cruise to the Edge the chance to see them now? Is that because the US isn't very often, is it? No, and um, I have to tell you that I already heard from um, uh, from Frenchie and Steve. I'm picking you guys up from the airport because I, I live in Fort Lauderdale, which is near Miami, and they're landing in Miami. And we have this, uh, I guess, um, a tradition now. Um, so, so sorry to cut in because it's, it's a kind of a cute story. Uh, the the second time they did Cruise to the Edge, I was trying to I was texting with Steve. What, what would you like to do? Would you like to go to a sports game? I gave him some options, and the last option was a drag show. And with within split seconds, I got a reply: <laughs> drag show. Uh, and so we all went, and we're going to go again because it's becoming a tradition, isn't it? Absolutely, can't wait. <laughs> we you met, can't we leave us hanging there. Time. So come on, details. We need details of the drag show. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know when you when you oh I've got to be careful now, haven't I? Um, no, it's hard to hang on to the details of the state we're usually in when we get there. <laughs> um, it tends to go by in a bit of a haze. <laughs> but uh, they have. Um, do they have a lot of drag bars, Aaron, or, or is it just the one we usually go to? Uh, the one we usually go to is one of the best, but best or the best one. But there are several. Um, 
uh, drag shows. Uh, Fort Lauderdale is a very gay friendly city, and I, I live in the center of of gay town, if you will. So so there's quite a bit here. Yes. <laughs> I just remember that. I remember that um, the the lady. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it you who said to her this I is did. Steve he's a famous rock star from England and she looked at me and went oh honey I don't give a fuck and that was it yeah she walked away it was great <laughs> <laughs> oh we've got an episode title and everything <laughs> yes yes and I will give Steve a shout out um, so because he's 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 a more than a decent human so at the end they took a photo and one of the drag queens uh, helped herself to to I'll, I'll demonstrate to grab her hand and try and grab Steve's genitals and he did this <laughs> did I really <laughs> he slapped her hand don't you dare I'm married <laughs> you'd say You'd think I would have remembered that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I yeah, must have been she, absolutely hammered. <laughs> no, she tried. She tried. She was trying Did to get she? fresh with you. Well, <laughs> you were not having it. <laughs> so is there a scale within the band of, of embracing the, the, the drag experience, or is it just a collective? <laughs> that They all love it, or is it, you know? Well, Mosley well, was... Mosley was... was, was uh-huh. Yeah, he was, he was totally up for it, wasn't he? Uh-huh. Was, yeah. was Rathers about... I would have thought he might struggle with it. Or did he come? No, it was mostly um, Phil Brown, the lovely Phil Brown. Of course. Um, like Flynn. Uh, mostly you, Jordan, my ex, and me. I think, yeah, that was that was the group. Yeah, yeah. and so it's basically, I think Rothers and Pete might struggle a little with it. Um, Mark would be all right. He'd be yeah. all right with it, definitely. He'd be up Mark, for it. I mean, Mark would be a great drag queen. He would have the gear on, yeah, in a minute. Yeah, he would, yeah, given half yeah. a chance. I've seen him. I've <laughs> seen him in the... <laughs> I've seen him coming up the corridor at Marowat in a full suit of armour and lipstick. That was a sight. That's, that's a sight, yeah. <laughs> at what point, when you're in a suit of armour, do you think, oh, I know what this is missing? <laughs> I know what this needs. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not quite finished. It's just not quite right. <laughs> Where's that Avon catalogue? <laughs> True. Oh dear. Orin, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you very much for finding the time. Because it's a is it oh, it's not too bad in the morning for you, is it? It's just coming up to lunchtime, isn't it? Yeah, lunchtime, yeah. And I, I it's it's in the fridge, so I just need to go there and hit it up. So Yeah, so well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Congra- yeah and- congratulations on feeding yourself, having got to the age of fifty and able to, <laughs> to make your own lunch. Well done for that. It took a minute. It took a minute, yeah. <laughs> So for if you if you've missed this in the in the Desert Island Discs episodes, go back, listen to the diary sections again, and 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 essentially you'll hear a little bit of of the of, of what we've essentially been chatting about uh, today. But it's such a such a pleasure. Thank you very much uh, for, for for particularly because I didn't message you until what was it this morning or was it was it last night? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was last night slash this morning. This morning, but I can always and will always make uh, make time for you too because it's a great podcast and. Uh, I absolutely love it, and I enjoy it, and and I, I'm really grateful for being here. and And I'm sorry for the heavy tone, but it is it's a heavy topic, isn't it? And and it's important for people to hear and understand. And and um, the experience itself, meeting Steve, was was very spiritual, and I believe our friendship is very f- spiritual. Um, and and I'm immensely grateful for it. I really am immensely grateful for it. It was so lovely, Oren. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So when I said last week we're back to normal, I don't think this week was normal in our normal kind of way of things. <laughs> no, it was, it, I, and I apologise for kind of losing it a little bit earlier, but I'm, I, I find it hard to go to those places without getting upset, you know. I, if I may, a tip of wisdom for, for listeners, um, being upset, crying, tears is a perfectly okay human emotion. It's just like laughing. So I, I think it's great to look at it that way. Uh, and so that's my little tip of wisdom. Well, it's, <laughs> it's lovely for me to see you two together because if ever there was two people who needed to meet, then you two were we're in that group so just nice to see you nice to see you together whilst at to the same time nice. also saying that you were shit at quizzes the pair of you were we yeah absolutely <laughs> awful he's so pompous isn't he God. yes absolutely every uh sunday night i would get a text from brandon or when i see him or other friends did you win this time nope and i always excuse it because you know the british they know more so i don't know it's just a lame excuse no, it's, you won. It you won one of the them. Didn't you? Bandit, though, yeah. to be fair. I'm sorry. I think Oren won one. Did you not win one one week? And I, I won a couple times, but I got you... discounts too. Like oftentimes they, they would say, "Well, <laughs> yeah, you got American. the American discount, didn't you? The American discount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I got the American. Yeah, you can discount. have that one because how would you know the answer to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not my fault. Yeah, we did yeah, give you was... a couple of weeks just to keep you coming. Really, he was a bit, you know, ganged up on by the. Morecambe and Wise, Tommy Cooper Brigade. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And to be fair, H, you'd have done a lot better if you'd have written down what Lynetta said rather than insisting you were right. Yeah, yeah, that, well, we could have that put above the door, yeah. <laughs> right, we'll be back for 179. Lovely to talk to you all. If you haven't watched it already and you're a purple, go and watch the video from 175. It's an absolute treat uh, and very, very, very amusing. Um, <laughs> see you soon. Thank you very Bye. much for having me. Thank you. Thank you, love. Take it easy. Thanks for that. Right, mint stop. Take the rest of the day off. Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.